0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: I'm so glad to welcome you here to The Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In this episode, I'm going to talk about jobs. So there's been a lot of employers whining about having to pay us more money for them. But the reality is, who's actually getting more money in the workplace? And if you're not one of those people, how do you make it happen? We're going to talk about that. And there's a soft spot in the job market. It's guys in mid-working years that went to the sidelines during the pandemic and many have not come back into the workplace and there's real opportunity right now for you if you felt like the opportunity was not there. I want to talk about that. And later, I want to talk about how do you have a talk with your kids? Not the talk, but talking about the lessons your kid can learn from crypto. And even if you don't understand it because a lot of people will come up to me and say, "Clark, can you just tell me what is this crypto thing anyway?" Well, that's for later. But right now I'm going to talk about a tale of two job earners. So you're working at a place, you've been a loyal employee, but you're falling behind because of the terrible inflation we had that cooked up starting in late 20 and roared in 21 and hit its peak earlier this year, and now, thankfully, is cooling off. Through that cycle, we've actually had less inflation than a lot of other countries in the world, and particularly a lot of developed countries, have had more inflation than we've had, But the average U.S. worker has fallen further behind than workers in any other developed country. And there are unique circumstances in the U.S. labor force and labor market that are responsible for that. But I saw a chart in the Financial Times showing the hit of inflation on people's living standards and we in the United States, of all developed countries, the average person fell about three and a half cents behind, to be precise, 3.7 cents behind each dollar you made. That your purchasing power, because of inflation, has declined even as you got whatever raise you got from your employer. The average worker today is making like 96 cents, 96.3 cents for each dollar equivalent you were making before inflation started cooking in late 20, and peaked, uh, this probably, we'll, we'll realize next year, it probably peaked sometime July, August this year, and thankfully, again, going the right direction. But there's a phenomenon in the U.S. labor market that you've got to be aware of that is kind of something you'll hear me talk about generally with the U.S. economy that also makes us different in many ways than other developed countries that we as consumers are rewarded for disloyalty. We as workers are rewarded for disloyalty as well. And what do I mean by that? So employers are griping about their wage costs. When they talk to Wall Street analysts every 90 days, they're always talking about the cost pressures they're seeing as an employer on payroll. But then how could it be that you may have fallen behind in your purchasing power because of inflation, if employers are whining to Wall Street that their labor costs are rising. Because in the American workforce, the way you bid your wages up is by going out and seeing what else is out there. It doesn't necessarily mean you've got to jump from your current employer to another one, but you got to go test the market and see what you are worth somewhere else. And if you are willing to make a change, and only if you're willing to make a change, do you notify your employer that you've been offered another job somewhere else and you're considering taking it? And the reason you got to be sure you're really comfortable leaving is your employer may say, gosh, congratulations to you. I hope that new job is great. So you never bluff. And you really have to be comfortable leaving where you are. But if you are willing to walk in other words, you're willing to go take an opportunity somewhere else, that's how you're going to catch back up and overcome the inflationary cycle that we were in for roughly 18 months for inflation going uh, one direction up. So if you don't have an active current resume, you get one together and you go see what the marketplace says your value is. Odds are It will be the equivalent higher hourly rate than what you're making now significantly higher than what your employer, without worrying about you leaving, is willing to give you as a raise, and that's how you overcome inflation. Now, guys, this has been really weird because when we had the big layoffs back in 20 because of COVID, the layoffs hit women much harder than men. But ironically enough, women have come fully back into the workforce and men, even though they were subject to far fewer layoffs two years ago, men have not come back in the same numbers. And what's known as labor force participation, that's the percent of men of working age population that are working, has gone down meaningfully. Well, we've got all these job vacancies, even as the Federal Reserve is forcing the economy into a lower gear by raising interest rates, there's still enormous job openings. The number of people getting hired, still surprising economists of all um, private economists, government economists, university economists, they're all just shocked how employment has stayed strong and job openings continue to be there. If you felt like The marketplace didn't want you. The marketplace does want you and at higher wages than you are making when you stop participating in the workforce. Opportunity is there and training is available if you want to be in a whole different category with a different level of skills and different earning power. The opportunity is there for both men and women to seize that and take what the economy is offering now which is a whole step up from where we were pre-pandemic. Krista? First questions from Ryan. I'm going out and looking for a new job today. Is that okay? It's
0: not okay. Not okay? No, all right. sir. Nope. <laughs> nope. Don't you bluff me. I gotcha. Okay. Ryan in Georgia says, Netflix has rolled out their ad-supported version. I'm all for this way to save money, but when I went to Switch, I noticed they may have a more limited selection of shows and movies on this plan. Is this real or just a way to keep customers from selecting the cheaper option? How do we see what shows are not
1: on the cheaper option? So try it first. I mean, there's really no risk in trying it. Uh, Everybody in streaming right now is trying to figure out how not to lose so much money. I mean, very few players in streaming have done anything other than have red ink. I saw recently... How much money Disney has lost on Disney Plus, and they pretty much could support the operation of several small countries' governments just off of what Disney has lost on Disney Plus. They've been enormously successful with the number of signups. It's been a disaster on a profit and loss basis. So, the streaming industry, you have to think of it as it's not even an awkward adolescent yet, they're still preteens. And they're trying to find their way. So what is going to be offered with programming in each, what they're going to charge in each and all that is going to continually evolve. And so you, they're being experimental. You be experimental. Right. And my default is always to the ad-supported one. Go ahead, Kristen. I
0: just want to say I do know that with most of them, including definitely Netflix, all their original programming is on it for sure, but I think it's the things that they have to license and pay more money to have that you that are going to be spotty and you're not going to know. But The Crown, you know, the Netflix shows that are originals will all be on there. And don't forget, if you have T-Mobile certain plans, you can get it for free.
1: And do you know that you could name the... 20 top streaming shows, and I wouldn't know any of them. Mm. I am so clueless. Okay, Kaj says... About the free
0: steak dinner you talked about, I just attended such a seminar. The presenter claimed to be a passionate fiduciary, financial planner, investment advisor, and insurance agent. I had hoped for some useful information, but instead mainly got a sales presentation for a five-year SPX market-limited capped certificate (laughs) deposit and an extremely aggressive fund using algorithms, long and short positions, and significant leverage. Not what I would have expected from a fiduciary. Question, how can you verify that an advisor actually is legally a fiduciary?
1: Okay, Uh, you just asked one of the most wonderful questions you could ask. And we've had a number of posts from people who are upset about how people bandy about saying they're a fiduciary, but they aren't people who claim to be a fiduciary, but have you signed all kinds of documentation telling you that whatever they do, is just tough for you. And so the individual you would have had pitching, I'm afraid to tell you they were lying. They are not a fiduciary. Insurance salespeople are not fiduciaries. And we have a briefing on how to establish that somebody truly legally is taking on the legal responsibility of being a fiduciary at Clark.com. And our briefing is really good. But it's not perfect. It will not protect you against someone who's an out-and-out liar.
0: Lori in California says, we're doing our wills and have a timeshare that neither of our children want. We enjoy it, so we don't want to get rid of it yet. But what is the best way when our time here is done to let it go? We contacted the the timeshare and were told that there is no guarantee that the certified exit program will be in place when we exit. Can we put words in our family trust to deed it back to them even if they won't accept it?
1: So this is uh, the messy part of timeshares. Even if you enjoy that timeshare, if there is an exit program available now that is real, exit the timeshare. And I know it's going to sound weird. Rent it at that same place. There are lots of people that rent their timeshare weeks. You want to rent at the place you love for the remainder of the years that you want to go there and eliminate the obligation that you may not be able to break, that would become a liability for your children. If you have a viable exit strategy, take it because of the fact your kids don't want it. And it's not the end of the world renting there instead of owning it. In fact, it's an advantage. Because you're only having the good side getting to stay there without the downside of having a legal liability potentially for your kids.
0: Do you think they'll have to pay to exit? Is that normal? It it
1: depends. If it's an actively selling timeshare, they may take it back for free so they can then make money selling it again. An exit program is the least bad alternative if you're relieved of liability. At no cost by the promoters themselves, simply because to them, what a great country. We already sold it to these people, got all the money, we're getting it back for free, and now we get to get all the money from someone else. What a deal if I'm the timeshare promoter. So uh, the timeshare thing is tough. Tougher, people who bet big on crypto. I'm going to talk about your kids and crypto straight ahead.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: When young people were asked, and how you define young people depends on the survey, but when younger people were asked, uh, particularly high schoolers, about investing during the hype phase of crypto, overwhelmingly, teenagers thought crypto was the best investment you could own. Now crypto has suffered several black eyes. There are people who lost real serious money of any age, but particularly people in their 20s and 30s lost real money that was a foundation for saving for the future in crypto. And as you try to explain to your children, whether they are preteen, teens, or young adults... About crypto, it's hard for many of us as parents because we may not get it at all ourselves. So here's the idea of crypto. There's government-issued money, and then there's privately-issued equivalent of money, almost like scrip, private IOUs. And so crypto is something that became a thing Back about 15 years ago was when people really first started small numbers talking about it, even though the idea predates that. But the idea is that there's a ledger the crypto is tracked on. And in theory, your money should be safe. But because of fraudsters and theft and all the rest, a lot of people's crypto vanished. Today, a lot of crypto has gone to zero value or nearly zero value because so much of it was a speculative wave that led to these crazy values for crypto. So it's an alternative form potentially to use to buy and sell things and services. Rather than pulling a credit card out of your wallet Money out of your wallet, a debit card out of your wallet, using your phone to pay for something, all using based on, in our country, the U.S. dollar, wherever you are, the government issued equivalent currency. The idea of crypto was that it was non-governmental. What happened was crypto never became a real form of payment, a real form of buying and selling things. Instead, what happened was this alternative form of payment became a story that, hey, you want to buy this new whatever and it's going to go to a zillion and you're going to make massive instant wealth. And there was really no difference with the hype with crypto as with any other mania. I remember early in the hype phase of crypto, There were people who kept saying this was going to be the Dutch tulips. If you don't know what that is, go read your history from, I think it's the 1600s. You'll find it pretty quickly. But the point is something that has real value. Obviously, there's value people make growing tulips. The value, though, became way beyond the value of the tulips because people believed that the value was limitless because they bought into the hype. And that's what happened in the crypto orbit. So when you talk to your kids about crypto, you say, yes, the idea of having an alternative non-governmental payment system for buying and selling things and stuff and ideas and you know, services, whatever, that is a real thing that will be part of our lives and your lives in particular, and will be part of the future. But the thing that is so important is to understand that crypto is not an investment. Holding U.S. dollars, not an investment. It is a form of payment. And when crypto becomes something that has a recognizable, stable value that can be used, whatever crypto it is, as an easy method to buy and sell things at a value that people trust, not just minute to minute or day to day, but over time, that's when crypto will have a real role in buying and selling things. But as an investment, no way, not any day, certainly not as a speculative thing because it only serves its real true purpose if it has a value both a buyer and a seller can trust. So crypto is not... What it was touted to be in recent years, it was not a speculative holding that could make you rich in weeks or months instead of many, many years, and it is not a way to wealth. It is a way to take the wealth you have to buy or sell things, period. Now, I know people that are really into crypto will object heavily to the explanation I've just given. But if you get down to the core of what it's about, that is what the case is for crypto to have legs and be a viable part of the world economy, is as a simple method of buying and selling things that will be easier, particularly for cross-border transactions, than let's say I'm in Japan and I'm I use the yen and I'm in the US and I use the dollar. And I want to buy stuff from Japan. It's such a pain for me to deal with the fact that I'm buying it in yen, but I have U.S. dollars. Crypto allows for international transactions without all the friction and overhead involved with moving foreign currencies one to another. It's just one of the potential uses when crypto grows up. Don't know exactly when that will be. Go to clark.com slash clark stinks to post if you are into crypto and I just infuriated you. Krista?
0: Okay. I'm going to start out with the two fee write-ins of the week, the extra fees that are being added that are crazy. Here's this first one's from John in Wisconsin. My wife and I recently dined at Perkins. I love Perkins. When we got our bill, they added about 3% for supply chain adjustment. Is this common now? I have a picture, but I'm not sure how to send it. Love your podcast. And then I'll read the second one. Wendy in Wisconsin says, I just did some traveling to Arizona. I noticed that on most of the restaurant receipts, we are now charged 3% for employee health insurance. I'm frugal and refuse to pay the 4% charge if using a credit card, so I pay cash. Can I believe the 3% is really going toward health insurance? I'm a public servant. My employer does not expect the public to pay what it looks like a tax for something the employer should cover. We as patrons have no choice to remove the 3% from the bill, so why doesn't the establishment absorb this fee in
1: the meal charge? So both John and Wendy both really enjoy eating out, both from Wisconsin. And Wendy, welcome to Arizona for the cold weather season, along with half the state of Wisconsin, that seems (laughs) to be, uh, you know, it's a competition to see if you see more Wisconsin plates or Minnesota plates when you're in Arizona through the winter season, but- this, to me, is terrible, terrible practice on the part of restaurants. If they are really being hit by food and labor costs and they're having trouble making a profit, raise your menu prices. You know, if the menu prices go up 3 or 4%, people are going to absorb that, and they're not going to be mad at you. But when you turn around and have a junk fee on the bill that nobody expects, nobody anticipates, you just make them mad and you break down their trust. And with restaurants in particular, there are a zillion different restaurants you can go to, right? Mm -hmm. So when somebody has a bad experience at the end of their meal, there's problems with that. It is a bad practice of restaurants to have supply chain adjustments or Health health and safety costs or whatever they call them. No, just charge me an additional price for the meal. And what we're going to see, if we ever get into a period of hyperinflation, you're going to see all electronic menus where the price can automatically adjust with prices. Thank goodness, though, the inflationary cycle we're in is bending.
0: Ken in Maryland says, for out-of-state travel, is using a Boost hotspot on my telephone a good idea, $10 for two gigs, to get internet connectivity for a laptop?
1: Yeah, so you can do that, or you can also look at the product available from Verizon through Walmart, the Straight Talk hotspot, compare the prices of both of them. So the two gigs at 10 bucks, as long as you were doing very, very uh, non-data-intensive activities on your laptop, which would mean uh, you're not watching any streaming at all, Music doesn't take that much capacity, but I'd avoid that if I could. Uh, No data-rich files. You'll be fine at two gigs. That will cover you surfing the web, reading all your emails and all that. Two gigs will take you pretty far. You get into video, you'll go through two gigs so fast it'll make your head spin.
0: Johan in Alabama says, I'm writing to you to share my success story dealing with one of the major banks. This is all because of your advice you mentioned in your podcast on multiple occasions. I wired $2,000 to a family member in Europe in November of 2021. They waited days, months, and a year, but the money never arrived. I tried to contact my bank several times to inquire about the money but they were unable to provide me with any meaningful response. I tried multiple times to recall the money, and I was unsuccessful. Then I heard you talk about filing a complaint with consumerfinance.gov. That's exactly what I did this last October, and guess what? I got my money back, including the transfer fee, in less than two months.
1: That is really, really wonderful. You know, the banks don't intend to engage in bank robbery. They don't intend to steal from you. But banks are very, very bureaucratic organizations, and they follow my dinosaur rule. The bigger they get, the smaller their brain gets, and empathy vanishes. The other thing with banks is uh, the organization management term, diffusion of responsibility. Banks are so large, nobody takes responsibility when the bank makes an error. And that's why it's great having a cop on the beat the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, because the banks have to check out the complaint you have and figure out, oops, we did steal this customer's money. We didn't mean to steal their money, but we did, and here it is back. So that is really good news. I'm glad it worked for you, and I want to thank you so much for sharing your money win Because somebody else is going to have a problem with some big, bad bank. And they're going to remember, what's that place? Oh, consumerfinance.gov. Let me file a complaint there and let's see what happens. And so your success stories breed additional success for other people. Because when you and I get in the ring with a big corporation, it's much more imbalanced than David versus Goliath. But if you know the right tools... You got a slingshot big enough to beat Goliath. And that's what we want you to know how to do. And I thank so much to each of our listeners who become a member of Team Clark and guide others and help others just like you did. Have an absolutely wonderful day. And you want more power for your wallet? See what we got today at Clark.com.